This is what we're talking about at our Thursday small group. We're flipping the pages of Scripture, and we're like, what, what is God's purpose? And uh, I think we treat it like a mystery. And God's got this purpose out there for me. And if I could just find it, I could live for something bigger. And, and I'm trying to mingle that with school and singleness and marriage and all this, you know, traveling and where I live. What is the mystery revealed for me? What is God's purpose for me? And I, I just got to think, guys, I, I, don't think it's that, I don't think it's that mysterious. I think we're going to unveil it today. I think I'm going to lay it open to end this series and say, here is the transcendent purpose of God for every single one of our lives. And if we trust the Lord and we do this, we will feel alive. Look at Ephesians 2.8. Such a beautiful place in the Bible. You guys good out there? I think if we met more, like we had four services a week, I wouldn't have to cram all this in. I, get, I just get excited to see you, that's all. All right, check it out. Look at Ephesians 2.8. What's the purpose for your life? What's the purpose for your life? Well, let's figure out that there is one first. Look at 2.8. For by grace you have been saved. Okay, we got that, right? You're not working your way to God. It's by grace. It's by what Jesus did on the cross. It's by believing in Jesus that you're saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. Okay? It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. Now, here we go. Look at verse 10. Here it is. For we are workmanship. Underline that unless you're using a pew Bible. Underline workmanship, for we are as workmanship created in Christ Jesus, watch it, for good works. There it is. Everyone say good works. God has saved you to do a great thing on this earth. Now, the troubling thing about Paul is he doesn't flesh it out for us. Like I'm waiting like verse 11, right? It's going to be about vocation or college or something, and it's blank. It's not there. But I, I want us just to grab this piece right there. You are made for good works. I, I, get, I get fearful in a sense that some of you don't believe that about yourself. And I want you to believe it. I want you to look at, uh, you are his workmanship. That's where we get our word poem. You are his poetry. He has written your life out like a poem. And uh, I was telling our small group, it doesn't always feel like that. Sometimes I feel like a really bad rap song, not a poem. You know, you're just like, man, my life is just, I feel nasty and God can't use this. And it's like, you will never out God's grace and love. As a matter of fact, the amazing thing about God is if you've really jacked up your whole life, that's the exact thing he wants to use to heal someone else. Like, it's almost frustrating at some point, you know? You're like, come on, God, I want to quit on this thing. And he's like, oh, don't sweat it. Even if you're messing up now, my grace is sufficient. Um, I want you to not mess up. But what we'll do is we'll use those sins to actually transform you and use that story to heal someone else. And then we'll give you, uh, we'll lessen your appetite to keep doing it. Yeah, that's, that's just God. And if you're like, whoa, who's this God? This is not the God I grew up with. This is God. This is the God of the Bible. So he says, he says you're his workmanship. You're, you're his poem. It literally means you're his work of art. Art is beautiful, guys. Listen to me. Art is valuable. Art is an expression of the inner being of the maker. Art is an expression of the heart of the artist. That's you. You are his creation. You're beautiful in his eyes. 
You're valuable in Christ, in his eyes, and you're an expression of the very inner being of the divine artist, God himself. Take that guilt. Take that past. That's the gospel. You say, that's too good to be true. No, it's not that we've made the gospel too good to be true. It's that we haven't made it good enough. Now, here's the thing with our journeys, guys. If God is the sculptor and you're this piece of artwork and he's made you to do certain purposeful works on this earth, he's going to chisel away (laughs) until you're the piece of art that he wants you to be fulfilling his design. And that may be the ache you feel. So rather than running, I want to be the canvas, I want to be the the sculpture, I want to be the piece of marble that's hardened, that yields to him, that stands before him and says, God, what is is your calling on my life? What is your purpose on my life? I'm going to stand here and let you paint the picture. I'm not going to shift from it. I'm not going to run from it. I'm not going to fear the light. It's one thing to fear the darkness. How can I fear the light? I'm going to stand before you and let you paint. Reveal to me your greatest purpose for my life. So what is this work in Ephesians 2.10 that God has saved us to do? What is this work, this purpose God has for your life? That's all I'm going to give you today. One thought. You can write this down. Uh, This is going to sound a little confusing. I'll flesh it out. It'll make perfect sense. We'll get out of here. We'll enjoy the sunshine. We'll eat, and we will do something amazing. God has a first purpose and a second purpose for your life. And this is where we get all messed up right here. Write that down. Think about it. God has a first purpose and a second purpose for your life. And I'm going to show you in a minute we flip them. And that's the problem. <clears throat> we flip them because we're human and we're physical people who look at a physical world. But let me, let me work this out just a little bit. Uh, God has a first purpose and a second pur- purpose for your life. What do I mean by that? Well, let me give you the first purpose and then let me give you the second purpose of God for all of our lives, and then how we can get into a rhythm of following that as a community of believers. Here's the first purpose of God, and I could actually answer it through a question. What is, what is God most concerned about in this world? Hard question, huh? Hard question. Some of you are, are kind of grumbling, like, should I say it out loud? Say it out loud. What is, what is it? Love God, love church. Salvation? Okay, you can't preach a sermon at me now. Check it out, guys. What's John 3.16 say? You know, WrestleMania stuff, right? For God so loved the world. Look at it right behind me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The greatest, the greatest thing God wants is the souls of the people he created on this earth. That's, that's number one. That's number one right there. So God's first purpose, and and here's the big question, how does God reach people? Through us. We're the conduit in which he saves people. Romans 8 says it. Romans 10 says it. How can they hear without a messenger? So God's like this. I love those people down there. I want to save these people in San Francisco. I want to save your loved ones. But you're the conduit. You're, You're the mouthpiece I need to speak through. It's so important that I sent my son to accomplish it, therefore As one of my children, this is the most important purpose in your whole life is to help through this mission of seeing people saved. See, man, we can do all this creative stuff with church, but if we are not centered on the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, what are we doing? 
I mean, what, what good is it when someone comes down to the end of their life and they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ? So God's first purpose for his people, you see it all through Scripture. God's desire to speak through people like you and I about the love of Jesus is his first purpose for your life. His second purpose for your life is job, marital status, location, church you go to, what you do with retirement, what you do with education. You get that? That's, that's the second purpose. And you see what we do? We flip the two, don't we? We go like this. God's first purpose for me is where should I work? Where should I live? All, all of this stuff. God's second purpose is, okay, once I find the job, man, if I meet someone, maybe I'll invite them to church. So we get these things kind of flipped around, and it's, it's very hard to do. We often get it backwards, uh, in other words. So everyone do this. I want to show you an example of this. Turn to Acts 18. Acts 18. So here's what we want, guys, and this isn't a lack of compassion. This is totally normal and understandable, but we want God to give us the job. But what's so easy uh, to fall into is that we tend to forget about the humans around us. Uh, we want God to move us to a city as kind of the first purpose. Um, you know, God, what, where am I supposed to live? What we often forget about is that Jesus died for the people in that city. We say, God, I, I would love to move into this district. I would love to move into this location. Um, what's your purpose for me? And that's fine. God understands. But what we often forget is that his first purpose is the person who lives next door to you in the new neighborhood. People, people, people. I've been very convicted about this in my own life. So I want you to hear this, guys. Whatever God is doing to direct you, whether it's education or school or work or retirement or moving or whatever it is, whatever God is doing to direct you, it has to do with people knowing Jesus first. That's it. Everything else is second. So I know that's a bit, that's a bit frustrating right there. As a matter of fact, God may be directing you into a place you don't want to go because he's more interested in reaching some human there, not at this time giving you the perfect job. God, you may be wanting to live, you know, uh, down in the marina or whatever. The mission's way cooler, by the way. I'm, I got, I'm repping now. I'm repping. Uh, and you have to live somewhere else because God is most, most desirous. His greater purpose is reaching that person who lives next door to you in the place you, you're not, you don't necessarily want to live. He's not so worried about just giving you a, a great place to live in a location you want. He wants to reach humans through you. So look at Acts 18. Let me show you how this worked. So Paul is... He's a pastor, he's an apostle, he's a church planter. He's going around telling people about Jesus. So check it out. Uh, uh, let me just tell you a quick story. What time is it? Who cares, right? All right, cool. I'm just checking. I'm just checking. I'm just checking. <clears throat> a little test right there, a little test. Um, no, but think about this. Um, so I had, I had this friend, this Filipino lady back in Sacramento, coolest lady in the world. Um, I love I loved, I loved this lady. So she had a, a, an organ transplant. She had an organ go bad, and she had a transplant. And uh, it used to drive me nuts. This lady used to drive me nuts because she was so happy. And, you know, I was, like, frustrated at times. And I'm like, what's up with that, John? Like, what, what's wrong with you? And so I would get in these conversations with that great Filipino accent. She would sit me down, and, and she would tell me, uh, 
I'm praising the Lord when I go and get, uh, get the transfusions. And I'm like, I, I, the dialysis, excuse me. And I'm like, how? Like, can you coach me? <laughs> so you're telling me you go and sit on this dialysis machine in pain. You can't work and you're full of joy. I mean, hasn't this thrown your purpose of life off? And she goes, no, John, you don't understand. Like, obviously. <laughs> you know, she, school me. She goes like this. I get to sit there in a seat, and these nurses are stuck with me. They cannot leave. They cannot go anywhere. And I talk to them about Jesus the whole time. And I'm like, man, you should pastor this church lady. Like, I'm stepping down. Like, this is so amazing right there. But she saw her first purpose as God wanting to love people and save them. And the vehicle to do that is the job. It, it is the location of where we live. And we go, oh, God, no, that's your first purpose. Where should I live? And God's like, I want the people. I want to save the people. We'll deal with your house later. I'm very interested in that. But we'll deal with that secondarily. So look at this, 18.1. After this, Paul left Athens. So he's traveling around. He's telling people about Jesus. He goes into this place called Corinth. It's a city, a crazy city, a lot like San Francisco. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. So we got a husband and wife. So Paul goes into the city and he meets them. Now remember, Paul's looking for a job. He goes into Corinth and he needs a job, guys. God. Where do you want me to work? Nothing wrong with that. God's interested in that. God, where do you want me to work? I love making tents, God. I want to work for REI. That's what Paul, that's what Paul wanted. I make tents really well. God, it would be really cool if you, you just made this thing happen. Like, if I get a job, there's a lot of camping in this area. If I get a job making tents, it would just be awesome. Like, and then I'll find a good church to go to. And so he goes into this, this city, and he meets these two people, and guess what they do for a living? They work at REI. They make tents. And so he meets them, and tents, tents. You, you like tents? I like tents. And he begins to work with them. Verse 3, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them. So he's like, whoa, we got a lot in common. He, he moves in with them literally, and he begins to work at that place where there were tent makers by trade. How interesting. So that's it, Paul. That's God's purpose. Like you found the job, right? No, the, the, the first purpose was that you meet these people, and the job was totally secondary. Well, well why? What's up with that? What's up with meeting people? I mean, what is God going to do? Well, in verse 18, here's what it says. After this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria. And with him, Priscilla and Aquila went with him. So he meets this couple. Is it really about a job, God? He gets the job. He meets some co-workers. But what was, what was really behind that is God's greater purpose. No, I'm after Aquila and Priscilla because I'm about to use them in a whole new way, Paul. And so Paul begins to engage with them, and he realizes, like, no, the first thing is God want, wants humans. The job is just the, the avenue, the vein that God is working through. So I get this job, and Paul's looking around like, okay, God, you're about humans. Jesus died for humans. Who is it? Aquila, Priscilla, how you doing? Yeah, it's my first day. Okay, you guys want to go get lunch? Yeah, let's go get lunch. So what's your story, Paul? Well, not to freak you out, but, you know, I'm a Christian, and I got this passionate thing I do on the side, and... You know, I, I tell people about Jesus, you know, don't, don't freak out. And they're like, are you serious? We're Christians too. 
No way. Are you serious? Yeah. Hey, let's talk tomorrow. This, this relationship starts building. Aquila and Priscilla eventually sit down with Paul, and Paul goes, hey, I'm going on this missionary trip, and I'm going to go spread the gospel in this, this, this country over here. And they go, can we go, Paul? Can we go? They end up being his right-hand couple. They end up teaching Apollos, who becomes this incredible preacher. Okay, was, was the first purpose the job, Paul, or was it the people? The job was second. You see, guys, for every way someone can be lost, drugs, identity through job, the quest for wealth in this, this second gold rush through technology, for every way someone can get lost, listen to me carefully, God provides a way for them to be found in the very place they end up with you. Amen moment. Look at this quote by C.S. Lewis. If you don't know Lewis, Google him, lock yourself in a room for two days, and read everything he's got. Listen to Lewis. There are no, no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. It is immortals we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Every person is eternal. Every person is either standing in the righteousness of Jesus or standing outside of it. And every person has a finish line called death. The people we talk to, the people we work, they, they are eternal. The only question is, have they found peace in Christ? That's where we come in. Uh, I don't want to embarrass uh, this couple, but we had this great conversation on a small group, and I just want to kind of anonymously share it, and we'll wrap this up. Um, the coolest story in light of this. So there's this girl who's been coming to our small group, and she may even be here. I don't know. So I love you if uh, I embarrass you. Um, but she comes, she's been coming to our small group, and you can see it. Just like week two, she's growing. She's got this love in her, this peace. You can see it on her. She's just changing. And uh, I, I said last Thursday, how did, you, how did you meet this other girl in our small group? How did you guys meet? And she, she comes out with this amazing story. She goes like this. Well, uh, this girl who goes to your church, she was standing at a bus stop, just standing at a bus stop. I was walking up to that bus stop. You want to know the rest of the story? Come back next week. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she's walking up to the bus stop, and she shares, like, she's so transparent. She goes like this. I was struggling with my faith. She goes, I was starting to question things about God. You know, San Francisco getting in the blood. Um, I was starting to think, uh, I don't know, you know, what is this about? And literally, as she's walking up to the bus stop, and she, she steps into the bus stop, and she's waiting, and this girl who goes to our church in our small group starts a conversation with her. And she starts talking about God. And this girl telling the story goes, and it frustrated me because I was kind of trying to get away from God. And... Uh, this girl who's a part of our church goes like this, um, hey, Good Friday's coming. Do you, we have a gathering. You know, Francis Chan's coming and all this stuff, and do you want to come? And she comes, and she's blown away that night. She says she's crying 10 minutes in. Like, I think we all were. She's crying, and she goes, it was like God was speaking right to me. And, like, my faith got solid that night. Okay, where was this girl who belongs to our church going? 
Was that, was that priority number one? Yes, it was important to God. Yes, it was. But was it the ultimate priority, the ultimate purpose for life? No, that human being who walked in that bus stop was. God is concerned with the where. He's concerned with the job. He's concerned with where we live, but it's always secondary. He wants us to come into contact with human beings. Loving others is at the center of the meaning of life, guys. You say, what is my purpose for life? Well, your ultimate purpose that's going to bring the most transcending awe in your life is loving other human beings and being the conduit to speak to them about the love of Jesus. The act of love, man, I'm, I'm just blown away by this. The act of love begins by stepping outside of myself, myself, to connect, to contribute in some bigger way to help somebody know the love of Jesus Christ. That's, that's when you feel alive, man. And you're like, but how much can I really do? What's a bus stop? You know, we went to an, an A's game last night. And uh, they beat the Red Sox. John took us. He's a Boston guy. It was kind of an awkward moment. I love you, John. I'm really sorry to even bring that up. But your Patriots keep winning the Super Bowl, so it's all good. Uh, we can beat up on your Red Sox. Uh, but it was so cool. We see this girl, and, and she's, uh, she's getting high, waiting for Bart, just sitting there getting high, and, and she's doing some weird stuff. And we get on Bart, and she sits right next to uh, uh, the Nugents, and, and uh, there they are. Was it a ball game? Was it really a ball game? Is it about humans? And there the Nugents are. You know, they, they talk to her about church. They invite her out and, you know, try to get into her life in just a few moments they have. You go like this. Yeah, yeah, but come on. What is that really doing? I'm just me. Do the little things really matter? These may be humble acts on their own, guys. A talk at a bus stop. An invitation to a church, an invitation to a small group, um, asking somebody to have lunch with you who's hurting at work. They may be humble acts on their own, guys, but listen to me. Taken together, they light up the world. They light up the world. Zechariah 4.10, last verse. You say, come on, how much can I really do? Isn't that awesome? God says, do not despise these small beginnings. Do not despise the little things. Don't despise the little bus stops. Because it was a teenager that knocked on our door a couple, totally shot in sin, who knocks on our door and invites us to church. How weird is that? And I'm pastoring this church now. It's the little things. Don't despise these small things. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Whatever God has entrusted into your hands, whether it's a job, a location where you live, a, a sports team, a school, remember guys, he, he's interested in guiding you, but most importantly, he wants to reach someone through you. Amen? Let's pray. Let's bow our heads in prayer. And I just want you to take the few minutes we have as the band slides up. And I want you to think about this. God loves you. You're his, you're his poetry. You're his creation. Don't despise the little things. An unemployment office, an apartment complex... 
a BART station, a job, a job with little kids, a job with seniors, whatever it is, a hobby, a grocery store, a Starbucks, a Phil's, a school, a teacher, a coworker, someone in your own home. What is your purpose for life? It's many folds. But God's greatest purpose for you is to reach them. I pray together as a, as a unit, as a family, that we would pray for open eyes and faith. Man, radical, radical faith. That God wants to use us. It's not about us, guys. And praise the Lord, the Bible says you're a broken pot. Let's just get that out of the way. It's not the pot. It's what's inside. The glory of God dwells within you if you're in Christ. The Holy Spirit is in you. Pray for open eyes as you, as you leave this place. To see that person, to love them. Some small act of kindness. Inviting them to, to church, a community group, to your house. Live. Live with this purpose. Live, live until you die with all your heart.